up, everybody? I go by the name of Sly. And I'm Cartier the Don. And we want to encourage you guys to listen to The Melting Pot. Where we will release new episodes every Sunday discussing today's most hottest and controversial topics. Stirring up all things popular culture. And you know what they say. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Brought to you by The Melting Pot. All right, Sly, you know what we should do today? What should we do, Cartier? I feel like I'm more funny than you. And, like, everybody know it. So I feel like we should, like, tell a couple of jokes. Oh, so you want me to upstage you on our show? I mean, you can't upstage me because I know I bring the heat every every week that we do this. You know it. They know it. So you can't upstage me. Nah, that's that's just generosity. You know, them folks just being nice. Really? They coming here to see me? And I'm supplying all the labs. All but- right. I will accept you on this challenge. You go first. All right. You tell your best joke. I tell my best joke. And of course, I'm going to go first. May the best man win. Hey, bet. Uh, all right. You ready? What would you get if you crossed a turkey with a ghost? I guess like a, a gobbler or a ghouler or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You like take <laughs> Nah, because ain't no, ain't no such thing as a ghouler. Like, so, nah, okay, I don't know what now you had like a ghost, right? You know, ghosts <laughs> like ghouls ghosts and ghouls and he's like okay that's the ghost part then a turkey like don't they gobble or something like that so i put it i just mashed it together and nah ghouler nah. gobbler something like that so that's wrong. that's wrong anyway yeah that's definitely wrong and it's, it's a it's a poetry guys get it get it okay okay i get it i like my i like my answer better though but you you making up stuff so it's not real. It no, technically, technically, it's open to you know interpretation. Like, a ghouler, a ghouler, a ghouler, a googler, uh, something. You Googler. know, I'm pretty sure it's a real thing. Look it up. I'm not here to debate. Look it up. Well, anyway, see like, my, see like my joke one. I cleared out the house. Oh, hold on, hold on. You can't do that too early though, because mm-hmm. look, I still gotta no. tell my joke. I'm like Donald Trump. I've already won. So therefore, oh, you're more like Donald Trump, as in the fact that you are in denial, sir. Anyway, t- tell you, Joe. T- tell you, Joe. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Pipe down. <clears throat> what do you call a priest that becomes a lawyer? A priest that becomes a lawyer. Uh, a priest that becomes a lawyer. A law-abiding citizen? I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> a law-abiding citizen. Well, you have one word, but that's not the correct answer. This is a pretty good one, though. Yours is corny, but mine is actually a good joke. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that I made you laugh, though, and it's on the two of us in here. Nah, nah, I, nah, I, nah. But everybody I, at home is looking at you like, what? But that's not the point. If you laugh, they going to laugh. Therefore, it wasn't a laugh. I want. It was a chuckle. It was a pity chuckle. It made noise, nonetheless. Nonetheless, the answer to my to my joke is a father-in-law. Get it? Priest, father, you know, comes a lawyer-in-law. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I feel like my answer was better, but go off. Well, since we both are horrible at telling jokes. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, since we both suck at uh, telling jokes, you know, don't go anywhere too quick because... This is the Melted Pie, and we have a special guest 
comedian, and he's going to rock the house tonight. I'm your host, Sly. I'm Cardi the Dawn. And without further ado, we're going to introduce our comedic guest today. Hey, what's the deal, y'all? It's your boy, Talent, the comedian in the building. You know my slogan, don't take none of it personal, it's just comedy. It's just that simple, man. How y'all doing? Um, better now that we got somebody who can tell a joke or two. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but see, there's a reason why those jokes, that's why we don't do those on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I know that's right. Especially paying money. Right, because those, those were pretty bad. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, you know, what those jokes, you got to, when you put the first part out there, no matter if the, the person nine, nine times out of ten gonna guess it wrong, and you just gotta hit him with the real joint right behind it to make it funny. You know what I mean? Don't don't let too much air in the back. You know, so like I'll say to y'all, what do you call an elephant mixed with a rhino? And see why y'all sitting there? Question? I just go elephino. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like elephino, it's an elephino. You know what I mean? But the hell if I know. So you know those those what we call setup and knockdowns is all timing, popping back in there real quick. Shoot, our timing was horrible. <laughs> y'all timing, y'all timing turned into a full conversation. So how <laughs> your mother doing? You know what I mean? But you can't leave that air in the bag. You got to go right to it. How's everything going? You guys sound great. We're doing good. Um, glad that you that you're here. Hope you enjoyed your time on the show. Oh, yeah. I can't wait, man. You know me. I'm one of those guys just happy to be anywhere. Right. I feel that. So what got you into comedy? Um, Comedy is one of those things I always knew I wanted to get into as a kid, as a young kid. Um, but it just was a point of figuring it out, how to go about it, um, how it looked to me. It looked to me uh, like it was a hobby. You know what I mean? It didn't look like... It didn't look like a real job. So the first thing that I didn't know was that it was a job. I thought it was a hobby to people. So I said, you know what? When I finish my real job, whatever that is, I think I'm gonna pick this up as a hobby. This looks like fun. You know, I was naturally funny, had the ability. So I knew that once I retired or resigned from whatever that real job and career path was gonna be, I was gonna jump into comedy and have fun with this this awesome uh, uh, hobby, if you will. And so you said you uh you watched as a kid. So who did you growing up? Who did you watch? Oh man, growing up there was so many people um, that made me laugh. That made me really want to do this. The obvious being uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, and, yep. yep. Richard Pryor, you know, <laughs> that's an obvious one. And then uh, then you got like the the Carol Burnett's. Carol Burnett was a redhead, funny lady like Lucille Ball. Um, Lucille, yeah. We got so many people. Red Fox, Moms, Mabley. Um, so you have to, like, I just, I just love comedy in general. So it was no specific white or black or left or right. It was like, if it was funny and I was laughing, I was down. Like, I don't care if it was Abbott and Costello. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care if it was Carol Burnett or, you know, I was watching, uh, what was it, the Marx Brothers or the Three Stooges. Once I started laughing, that was it. I was like, this thing is contagious. Where did you grow up as a kid? Oh, I grew up in a small town. I'm born and raised in a small town called uh, Mount Vernon, New York. So we call it Money Earning Mount Vernon. A lot of people came out of this little town. It's only four square miles, but we produce people from the likes of every sport. We got people who won championship rings in every sport. We put out Denzel Washington came from here. 
Uh, Leon from the Five Heartbeats came from here. Um, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos came from here. Art Carney from The Honeymooners came from here. Uh, NBA players like Ben Gordon, and, uh, Andre Drummond, and Rodney Scooney McCray, uh, Ray and Gus Williams. Like we, we just like a talent pool. Heavy D, who's our that's like our entertainment mayor and, and president of Mount Vernon forever. Like Heavy D and the yeah. boys, Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth, uh, you know, Jeff Red, I'll be sure. You know, it's a lot of people. So Mount Vernon has been producing people. When it comes to comedy, you got myself, uh, you got J.B. Smooth from Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's a lot of us. Yeah, can't count out the little folks. Look, y'all y'all got a whole bunch of talent. But it's nice. I mean, it's a small place. But trust when I tell you, man, the talent pool here, it, it, and it's still going. You still got young comedians following us. You know, we 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 25, 30 years in the game. So we we what we call veterans and seasoned artists. But you still got other young comedians coming up behind us. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, how long have you been doing this? But you said 30. Well, next year, yeah, next year we'll make an even 30. July wow. of 2021 will make 30. And the, the crazy thing is you don't feel it. It just don't feel like 30. It feels like, you know, almost like you could say like yesterday you started doing this, man. That's crazy. And do you still live in Mount Vernon or? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've lived in about five, six different places, but at the same time, I've always kept the place here at home in Mount Vernon. Right. So now, it, which was smart to do because you now we hit the end of the world with the Walking Dead pandemic <laughs> and uh, come home. <laughs> at the end of the world, when all else fell, take your ass home. Sounds about right. So how do you feel having that many years under your belt, like compared to, you know, other comedians that struggled a little bit more, or haven't found that groove or have even given up? You know what I'm saying? How do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, being what we like to call season comes in handy a lot um, because now you when you've got to do a project or something, you have the upper hand on somebody you may be going up against. You know, because you have the experience. It's like any other job in the world where, you know, if you're going to be new to the job and the other guy over there has 10, 20 years experience, most likely they're going to pick him because they're going to say, well, you know, he knows what he's doing coming in. Like if we have an option of training somebody to do something or taking somebody that knows, you know, you got the upper hand. They're going to take the person that knows the job. So I right. enjoy, you know, my my tenure, so to speak, over others comes in handy all the time you know a lot of time i get calls from cats that i know in the comedy game but they they haven't been there that long and they're like man they picked you i didn't get it i wanted to get the job and that just comes with experience you know when when i was a new boy you know i had to wait for the people who were more experienced than me like how you, how, how am i supposed to get the job if y'all won't give me the experience <laughs> yeah we we hate that word uh experience you know when you're trying to get ahead and that guy in front of you y'all keep getting it right you're like yeah well you know he has experience you're like man right <laughs> all you end up with is experience and trying <laughs> but that's how it is it's like but I, I, th- I guess it's it's the way of the land and it, and it makes all the sense in hindsight at the end of the day it starts to make sense because again the same way it happened to you in the beginning fast forward now you become experienced and now you're getting all the stuff and then there's somebody behind you saying the same thing you were saying say 10 years ago 
You know what I mean? Yeah, just like in, you know, in regular jobs, you know, it's like you got to wait, like promotions, like, yeah, yeah, people start off as interns and, you know, assistants and they, you know, you just move up. It comes with experience and it comes with time and just, you know, like doing the work. What type of comedy do you kind of do? Um, Real life, situational, uh, uh, sometimes storytelling. Like comedy breaks down on a lot of things. It could break down in. Uh, I know there's like slapstick and dark comedy. Yeah. You know, parody type comedy and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. My my mind is really right reality based. Um. So it's it's a it's and I'm a. I go off of I'm a, I have what you call I'm a natural like a natural ability in comedy. Some people sit and study it. Some people write a lot of stuff down, and then you got people that can get up there and kind of just go on this journey and take on this trip, you know, just off the the top of the room and, the, you know, top of the head and the energy in the room. You know, that's my, that's more of my uh, forte. It's like, I don't really, I've, I don't write down jokes. You know, I don't put it together on paper or anything like that. I get up there and I may start on one topic and it goes to the next, to the next, to the next. But it's like a seamless journey. You know what I mean? It's like one journey for however long I have. Sometimes I have more times than not. Sometimes I only got 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes you got the whole hour, you know? So each time it's different, but it's it's a fusion of storytelling, uh, reality-based, you know, uh, improving, you know, on the spot, you know, natural, like your natural ability threads through all of that stuff. No matter what area you start or, or venture into, your natural ability will kick in and become the glue of the whole situation. Right, because that was going to be my next question. What's the what's the process that you go through when you're developing your material? Yeah, see, that's, that's the thing. I, I don't, there's no real process for me because I'm a natural dude. Like, other people have different processes and different pecking orders of what they do. Me, I'm more so like, I'll come in a place, I'll read the room. And Usually the first thing I do and touch on is something that I picked up in, in that room, in that situation. And I'll build off of that. And then in my brain, I got so much stuff I've been talking about over the years. I can pick a piece of what I start with and find a segue to something I already have in my brain. So this really sounds like a like a natural thing for you. You know, like some people had to learn this, but you really sound like you. this is natural. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean by being young and knowing that you are you were built to do this and destined to do it. It's like a calling. Like when I got into comedy, it wasn't a thing that I just wanted to do because it, it did look cool. I I naturally felt a calling, and my calling was confirmed. You know, the first time I tried it out, first time I jumped on the stage and tried it out, it was confirmed. You know, the feeling that I got was overwhelming, and I was like, "This is what you're supposed to be doing." So within a year's time. I had quit the day job and everything and just went full-fledged into it. So you just finished mentioning, like, first time. So can you recall, like, what are some of the biggest mistakes that a new comedian can make? Um, Some of the biggest mistakes you can make as a new comic is, again, not reading the room and the situation. Um, a lot of people think, the young comics sometimes think that it's not like... Uh, Comedy is very similar to like music and rap, like say rap music, but it's also not that similar at the same time. Meaning, if you're a, if you're a rapper or an artist, you can go into a place and get up there and just do your thing, like, 
and this is my thing. Either you get with it or you don't. The the instant gratification right. is totally different in comedy. In comedy, like you you could do a song and and finish your song when the music goes off. You say thank you for your time and good night. You really don't know how it was perceived. You know, um, they may not have danced to it, but it might not be a dance type of song, and they still like it. But in comedy, the gratification is so instant and obvious because we rely on laughter. You know, you can't, for comedy to be good, a person can't just be standing there with no reaction. There has to be laughter or that means it wasn't funny. It didn't work. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, like, right. like you can like music and say nothing. You can't like comedy and have no reaction. You must laugh to confirm it was funny that you liked it. That's instant gratification. I agree. I agree. Cause I recently, I went to a comedy show. I think it was back in maybe August or July or something like one of those. And, uh, I seen Eddie Griffin and that was actually my first time even going to like a stand up mm-hmm. comedy show, uh, like a legit one. Um, and he was, he was great. Like right. he came out the bat, like, you know, he hadn't been doing stuff for a while. So like, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, is he still even funny? You know, blase, blase. Me and my sister, we went and we had a great time and he was hilarious. Like in the in the room, it was like everybody in there, everybody had a vibe, the energy was good. Like it just that also helps with the experience, you know? Right. I mean, I I like Eddie Griffin. I mean, I also know a lot of people who don't like Eddie yeah. Griffin. So guys like that, I like to call an acquired taste. It's not that they're they're good or bad per se. Right. But they, they're somebody's taste and they're not somebody's taste at the same time. Like Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is one of the greatest comics of our time, but he's also an acquired taste. Yeah. I know people that are like, eh, you know, I don't think you're that funny, da da da. Whatever the case may be, he's a genius. I'm actually, I'm actually you know? one of those, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, he, but he, I, he I get right it. to me. He all right. Like, you know. I get it. I mean, yeah. I get it. I'm, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, he's a hit or miss. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? But I get it. It's like you have to to to, to, to be a comedian is to be the realest individual you can be. Um, because even though it's laughter, it's pain that gets to that laughter. You know, you had to talk or live through something that probably wasn't uh, the least painful thing in your life, but it got you to laughter eventually. So we have to be a realist with ourselves and I'm a realist that I can sit there and say not because these guys are my friends and I like them or you know I'm a fan uh, at the same time I still can sit back and be a realist and go you know I wouldn't call this guy's the best because he's an acquired taste you can still be one of the greatest of our time and still understand why people wouldn't rank them the best you know what I mean yeah, like Kevin Hart. Yeah, same thing like Kevin Hart. Acquired taste. Like, Acquired taste. And, and some people don't like him. Yeah, I heard a quote, right. like you were just saying, like the realism and the pain. Like, I'm, I can't remember who said it, but it was like, you know, comedy is pain, but it just ends yeah. in laughter. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, that's what's up. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's very tricky how things can be two things at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that whole acquired taste because I'm more into, you know, the Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Bernie Mac, Cat Williams. That's just more so. Right. <laughs> Bruce Bruce. Because ain't nobody doing it like Bruce Bruce. Bruce Bruce the man. Bill Bird too for me. Like, you know, I like. 
See, Bill Burr, Bill Burr, he's dope. Me and Bill was just kicking it the other day. What? Uh, Bill Burr is dope. I've seen, you know, you got to realize, a guy like Bill Burr used to be my opening act. Wow. Um, so Bill Burr, to watch his growth, yeah. And him, he was always funny, but to watch him just come into his own, or when I say, when people say come into his own, I think people breeze by that statement. That's a deeper statement than, than it sounds like. Coming to your own is like coming into your ownership. Like you're owning what you're doing. Yeah. It's one thing to do it, and then there's another thing to own it. Like Bill Burr used to always do it. He was always funny to me. That's why I let him work with me. You know, he made me laugh. I thought he was fucking hilarious, but, excuse my French, but he came in over the years he's came into his ownership so now when i see him you know he's such at an elevated status of funny you know what i mean um but then again a person who doesn't want to hear truth might not like a bill burr right because bill burr is going to have spit some truth he in really there. Is. you know what he, i mean he really does yeah and you're probably not gonna like it if you didn't come here that's the thing is that's what's so amazing about comedy you got a, a room full of people that came with different acquired tastes and different reasons. Yeah. And that material can go anywhere, any given night. It's like football. They say any given Sunday, any team could beat any team. It's the same thing in comedy. Any given show and any given comic, the topic could go anywhere. And you might have come out and didn't want to hear that radical stuff or didn't want to hear a relationship or blue comedy or sex or whatever you didn't want to hear may have been put up on that stage. But that's people's truth, so... You know, but people give a damn about your truth sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, times you're at a comedy show, people booing people, and 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 that's his truth. Right, that's the but what's truth. comedy without truth? Like, right, I agree. Because right. I feel like some of the best comedians is nothing but like you know true stories. Like, right, I agree. Because the goal is to make it relatable, but also you know keep true to yourself. Like like he was saying, ownership. Like, yeah. Well, some people are not ready for it. Some people, believe it or not, went to the comedy show just to hear some goofy jokes. You know? You know, they went to see you play around or run around on stage or fall or knock something over or spit some water out. You know, you got people that they like that and that's what they're looking for. So when you smack them in the head with some real stuff, it's like, whoa, I didn't come here for this. They like, if you've seen Bill Burr, a perfect example is Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle's last SNL bits, their monologues. They were spitting truth in it. And you can hear the laughter go from real laughter to uncomfortable laughter. You know, you ever be at a comedy show and hear that? Like you hear laughter, but it's something mm. uncomfortable about the laughter. It's like it's not it's not a bust of gut laugh. Oh my God, that was funny. It's more like I'm laughing because I'm supposed to, but I don't know if I should be offended. Speaking of monologues, do you, is that something you partake in? You do monologues during the set? I mean, we all have to, um, all comedians, depending yeah. on the gig. You know, sometimes you get a gig that, that requires a monologue or not. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're there. You know, we do them off and on when we need to. You know, sometimes I'm opening up a, a live show or something and have to, you know, give a few up front, yeah. a monologue, if you will. Um, I don't really you know, prefer them too much. They're, they're, they're pretty much the same thing as doing a set, you know, set, except right. it's, you know, it's the way it, they deem it and put it. Like if it's part of a bigger show, they're going to call it a monologue, you know, like Saturday Night yeah. Live, when they have a comic host uh, Saturday night, 
they usually give them a few minutes to do a set. They just call it the opening monologue because it's the opening of the show. Yeah, I was going to ask, what are some of the best, you know, strategies for, like, memorizing, you know, the monologue? Well, I mean, the, the same thing comics do with when they perform a show or get ready to do tape a special or whatever. They just go and hit as many stages as they can in the least amount of time. So repetition helps memorization. You know, it ain't no different than when we when we were in school. You know, we would go over and over and over and over it to the point where we knew it. We remembered it. Is it true that most comedians are usually like loners, like and fairly quiet when they're like off stage? No, I wouldn't say most. I think like for me, let's say I know I've crossed the paths of a few thousand comedians in 30 years. I find that it's just a mixing pot of all types of personalities. Um, You got your loners. You got your, your goofy guys, the clowns, the, the, the people that's always around people, that's always loud, always, you know, want to, you know, they kind of forced to be the center of attention. Then you got people that are really, I, I know people that um, the best comedians that I've met over the years are people who can click a switch off and on. Like when they need to be funny, they're super funny. And then when they're not, they just, the furthest thing from being funny and you like you you know if a person just met them in that that realm they'd be like well damn uh how the hell are you a comedian you know what i mean like you you, you ain't funny at all but they're just not that they're they're just funny like on purpose they're not funny right (laughs) right now like in that instance they they take it serious they take the profession serious so they're not just going to be funny every time you see them they're going to cut it on when they have to or when they're required to. Comedians get their jokes from all over. What have inspired you over the years? Um, Again, my, my stuff is reality-based, so the same thing from day one to, to now, to year 30, it's always been the same formula. It's like, just live life. And as you live life, everything will come. Every day, every week, there'll be something you're like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like, and you'll talk about it. You know, you'll you'll know if you're a natural, you'll know when there's something that's stage worthy that you can work with or it's just matter of factly, maybe not. You know what I mean? You'll know. So it's like right. everyday life, because to me, I always tell people the biggest laugh you're going to get any show, any comedy show, any comedy room comes from relatability. That means the more the people relate to whatever it is, whatever that thing is, the more that they can relate, the bigger the laugh. So it behooves us all to come up and use the stuff that we can all relate to. So instead of talking about just me, if I talk about just me, I'm going to talk about something that even though it happened to me, it probably happened to everybody else too, or the majority of people. You know what I mean? So I'm going to get a high uh, level of relatability off of that. You know, it, that's why people, if you look at comedians, you'll hear comedians a lot of times say, yo, you ever this, you ever do that, you ever blah, 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 because it's a rhetorical question, but they are looking for relatability. You know, they're like, hey, you ever lock, you ever lose your keys? They know people have lost their keys. So they just relate it on that little piece right there. When I say, you ever lose your keys? People, yeah, yeah. So now we become one on whatever that topic is about the lost keys. So nine times out of 10, whatever I'm about to say after that point, 
people are going to agree with me, you know, or, or there's people out there that have been there. Exactly what I'm about to say because people have lost their keys. Right, I lose my keys all the time. Shoot, I lost them today. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like like I told y'all, I said, hold on a second, I got to put the dog away. Like, I got a big house with five dogs in it, right? So, I'm a dog person. So, when I get on dog topics, there's not a soul in the world who hasn't been around a dog in some form or fashion. So that topic right there is so relatable. Right. If I say uh, relationship, I talk a lot about relationships, men and women, it's automatically relatable because we all live in the same world and same systematic stuff of boy meets Mm -hmm. girl or girl meets girl or boy meets, but whatever the case may be, we've all experienced the realm of a relationship in some form of fashion you know so the more you keep relating the more the audience is kind of connected to you but if you go I'm not saying that you can, can't can be funny without it I'm just saying that that's going to get you the bigger laugh because if you the, the more you branch out and go into topics and things that people may or may not be able to connect with the harder it is to make them laugh. So how do you how do you usually typically uh, handle being heckled? Have you ever been? I'm pretty sure at some point, 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, it's part of the job. I mean, I've been, I, I mean it's part of the job. Um, at this point, again, remember we go back to the question of what advantage you have over the younger comedians who don't have the experience. Right. That's another advantage. At this stage of the point, you build a reputation. Like I've built a re- reputation on myself. Uh, where people kind of think twice about heckling me. You know what I mean? So it's not like when I first started, when people didn't know of me, oh, they would jump out the window and try, you know, just like that guy that wanted to be the cool guy in a comedy club or the comedy show. You know, that guy don't really exist too much for me now. That For me to run into that guy now, and a guy totally oblivious to who I am and what I'm capable of on that stage with that microphone, he got to be drunk or high <laughs> out of his right, mind. Yeah. Which is... You know, which is going to make it even better for me. No doubt. <laughs> I can't wait to run into the drunk high guy. <laughs> now that you're 30 years in the game, you have some experience. How fast do you think it would take to, you know, for one to develop experience in the game? Well, it's you know, it's, it, that's a great question um, because we talk about that all the time, or older comedians to young comedians that we try to tell when we're helping younger comedians understand that part, we're trying to make them understand that it's no... It's not like a gallon of milk where it has an expiration date. See, a gallon of milk, they put a date on it, and you know you got to drink that milk by that date. It's going to be sour. Um, as, as far as a comic becoming seasoned or getting to a certain level, or what I call is finding yourself, there is no time on that. For some people, they find themselves quickly in three, four, five years. Some people won't find themselves for 12 to 15 years. Like, for each person, his personal journey of that is different. It varies. You know what I mean? You can't call it. Like, I could have went 10 years before I felt like, yeah, I'm killing it. And then another guy felt he was killing it in three years. Or another guy was really killing it in five years. Like, for each person, that journey is going to be different. It's like, look at the NBA. Look at basketball. You know, you take guys that come from college and get drafted the same year for some reason... Some of those guys are better than the others in a shorter period of time. Some of them don't don't uh, blossom till later. True. And um, over time, has the game changed much? Um, the only thing that's changed really to me, like uh, definitively, 
I would say is with the 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 influx and usage of social media, the the impression and, and power of social media coming along has changed the game somewhat. Um, so now you don't need like it, there was a time when we needed network TV to become well known and notary and get notary, notary. You know what I mean? Um, we don't need that anymore. There's people that can can utilize social media and get famous enough to travel the world and sell out uh, venues and comedy clubs and make a living for themselves. And they didn't have to go on a major network and have a hour special or a Netflix special or blah, blah, blah. And these things, they can create that same, build that same fan base from these free social media tools now. And speaking of net, were you ever big on Def Comedy Jam? Oh yeah, yeah. I love Def Jam. Def Jam changed the world. Def Comedy Jam came along and changed the whole structure of comedy. I used to love that. Yeah, some of the best comedians came out of there. You know, again, some of the that was that's my generation's uh, social media, so to speak. You know, right. when Hollywood or mainstream television was overlooking all of these black talented uh, entertainers. Here come this new vehicle that that's mainly what they were looking for. And it it not only became the number one comedy show in the, in the country, it became the number one show in the world. And it changed the structure and landscape in com, stand up comedy as we know it. You know, so now all those those white owned comedy right. clubs that really wasn't checking for us, they had to hire us. They wasn't checking for us, but they had to hire us and, and give us jobs and bring us in because that's what the people wanted to see. Once the people saw that rawness right there and that that different level of funny, it was like they demanded it. And that changed the whole landscape. And now you got a bunch of families that are eating and, and flourishing and taking care of other people and starting foundations, you know, from the Cedric the Entertainers to the Steve Harveys to the Martin Lawrences to the Mike Epps to the God bless the dead Ricky Harris's Adele Gibbons uh, Bill Bellamy's uh, Bernie Mac like these are people that the rest of the world may or may not have gotten a chance to enjoy if it didn't, uh, wasn't for HBO Def Comics I said right it, it was way before our time for real for real but <laughs> hey I sat up I sat up and watched yeah, see, all the and it's, specials it's, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying it's like it happens to all of us generation wise because the same way y'all stayed up late and tried to sneak and watch those we did that with uh, tapes and recordings from Red Fox and Richard Pryor we wasn't supposed to listen to that either we stayed up and yeah. snuck in our mom's and pop's collection and put it right. on and just sat up and laughed like <laughs> what the hell are they talking about this is crazy <laughs> so as far as like tour life goes you know touring can be draining and hectic but you know it's it's also a thing that you know most people love going to different cities meeting different people and it's also how you get paid <laughs> so what is um what you know how do you feel about tour life and what's one of the crazy ex- experience craziest experience you've had Again, um, another another uh, bonus of having uh, experience is you get to manipulate the tour life to fit your life. Uh, when you first start touring, it starts to be fun, but it also is rigorous because you move the way they make you move. Like you don't really have a choice in it. You're just happy to be touring and getting that work and getting to those cities and, and getting known when you get experience then you start to say, okay, this is these are the dates I'm gonna do. And you you structure your life like me. I like 
three or four days on the road, three or four days home. You know, I like to, to, to balance it. You know what I mean? So if I'm out too long, I'm going to get homesick. If I'm home too long, I'm going to be road sick. So if I balance it, everything's perfect in my world. Um, touring, I mean, it's all types of crazy stories, man. I, the funniest stories that stand out to me on tour are like, you know, guys, when they first go on tour, they get very happy, you know, especially if they do good and they're making people laugh and, you know, you're making women laugh and, you know, women are flirting with you and you flirting back and you about to get some booty and some action. Woo! You, you start to, you start <laughs> to, you start to forget all the rules. You, you just want this booty. You know, we had rules. We was like, yo, anytime you meet a girl, you want to get it on. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but do it at the hotel. That's neutral ground. That's a public place. You know, can't no nothing get mixed up. You can't get in no trouble. You know, do it there where you know you're in a public place, witness all. But you know, we do see that booty, see that fat booty, and they and they forget the rules. And yeah, I'm gonna go to her house. All right, you go to her house. Ray Ray and Pookie and all of them waiting for you. <laughs> so you don't got you don't got, Ray you know you, you, you signed up for some booty. You ain't signed up for Pookie. Pookie, you sitting there with pink. <laughs> <laughs> sort of shotgun and you just all that money you just made from being on stage give us all that brother <laughs> give us all that money and get your bitch ass out of my sister house you know so yeah it's, it's it's like those stories were funny I mean one dude he got chased out butt naked uh, running down Main Street one of them cities man chased him with a, in the car they jumped in the car with the guns and they wasn't gonna shoot him but they scared the hell out of him so they shooting in the air and he butt naked running down the street trying to make it to that hotel nuts swinging in the cold you know <laughs> yeah so that, that was funny that was a funny he came back in there shivering he obviously had to leave his clothes his wallet everything so he don't have his room key or nothing he's just ass naked in the lobby I got that <laughs> phone call come down here do you know this guy wow <laughs> crazy like, I was like I hate to identify this guy naked <laughs> but yeah, this, the road is full of stories, man. You get all types of right. stuff. You get that. You get tour buses uh, uh, breaking down. You get, you know, who's scared of what. You start. You really get to learn these comics in a different sense. You know, you don't. You don't know people are scared of certain things, or it's, it's just very funny. A lot of stories on the road. And what's your um, what's your favorite cities to go on tour in? Um, my favorite cities off the top of the head. I love the Midwest and the, the east east coast so everything from boston i come from boston at the top i'll come down to i love connecticut obviously new york i'm from new york jersey uh maryland delaware philly um you know charlotte dc virginia all parts of virginia um when you get down to south carolina you know i got a good base in Georgia, I go to Atlanta, stuff like hey, that. You know what I mean? Georgia. I mess with I mess with Atlanta. Like Atlanta had a lot to do That's heavily with my career yes, <laughs> coming up. You know, um, you know, yeah, yeah. That's that, that was that was my stomping. I remember I tell you, I lived in different places. I lived in the ATL a couple right. of times in my in my jams in my year. Um, then you go to the Midwest, Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit. Um, you know, love those places right there. You know what I'm saying? So that's that. Those are the cities I love, and I don't dislike anywhere. I love any good crowd. You put me in front of, but those places I can really sink my teeth in and kind of call them home. If you wasn't doing comedy, what would you be doing right now? That's a good question. Um, right now, I'd probably be retired. Um, 
You know, I'd probably be done quit by now with the 30 years that I've given comedy. I would have gave to another job or two. Um, so I probably like if I would have went to the NBA, if I would have really wanted to pursue that, I'd have been retired by now. If I um, did music, because, you know, in high school, I was a part of a rap group and all that, I would probably be retired by now. Um, I was going to go into the military was the option. If I went to the military, I'd definitely be retired by now. So the three things that I would have pursued, I would have been probably retired and you know just doing some other hobby stuff you know what i mean but the fact that comedy opened up and the opportunity came sooner than i thought it would and and definitely don't think i made a mistake you know pick that profession that fast forward 30 years you're living you're living lovely you put your kids through school you you know raise good family you, you got to see the world 10 times over you know uh, you made more friends and connections in a little bit and you know, you just got to respect out there that your name carries weight. You know, I keep telling people like people, we, our communities always worry about the dollar. And there's a lot of things that in the long run become worth more than the dollar that we're worried about. You know, those connections, those things you can do by the power of who you become is everything. Right. That is, that is true. That is so true. And when you told people that you was uh, going into comedy, what was their reaction? Um, it was just like, I, I think people were kind of like me, like not really knowing the ins and outs of it. So I didn't get any resistance. I was, I was, it took me a long time to realize how supportive my family actually was, you know, how crazy that might've been back then. I never thought of it like that. It was, it was never a second thought. And when I told my family and everybody, everybody was like, oh, okay. Like real nonchalant and cool. And I think in, in a black family, when people don't curse you the hell out, that's that's them being right. supportive. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I think in a, in a Caucasian family, they need to hear, you'll be great, buddy. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Right. They're, they're going <laughs> to love you out there. Just hang in there, buddy. I think you need to hear that in a white family. But I think in a black family, you just got your eyebrows up, like, see who's going to say some shit. Right. And like, nobody don't say nothing. You'll be like, oh, they they cool. And that's why I ask because you know a lot of times black families I'm just gonna have to say it they don't they don't support you know what I'm saying if it's something out the norm other than going to the military or work or working a nine to five or going to college they don't you don't get the support so that's why I ask right right comedy music photography right well I mean to make I understand that though I mean I tell people all the time it's 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 partially not our fault the shortcomings that we have a lot of this stuff has been bred into us and conditioned into us and if you take anybody for a couple of hundred years and and condition them they're going to be that it's no different than training a dog like what if i keep drilling into the dog something eventually he's going to get that and he's going to move accordingly and that's where our people are it it takes for the ones of us that that break out the box that surpass the crab mentality and you know crab in a barrel mentality to reach back and grab a couple more people and explain what we just did and then they reach back grab a few more and explain what just happened and if you keep doing that in a generation or two you'll you'll have our people in a different place mentally and spiritually you know what i mean but mentally and spiritually by nature in this country 
uh, there's been a big number done on us. So right. a lot of us are by default just in this purgatory of a place. So where do you hope to go from here and what are your plans for the future? Well, I've just, uh, the, the pandemic thing that we're in right now has been a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know, it, and, and one thing that we were complacent with, you know, it stopped that. So everybody was like chicken with the head cut off. Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But in the in a better standpoint of it, what it did was got a lot of the creative juices flowing in different areas. You know, so a lot of things that I had scheduled to do next year or months down the line, I just moved up to the forefront because now, you know, you're limited with physical stuff and everything's more virtual. So I've gotten my virtual game up, you know, uh, so that I've created a ton of content over the last eight months virtually. So when this thing is done and things kind of semi get back to what we deem as normal, I have enough content that's done and in the can, so to speak, that I can take to a network or produce or put out myself or get sell it to like a Netflix or a streaming revenue or something. But it's mine. Like I've done it without having to go to someone else to do it. So I see myself coming out of this between that and you know, my comedy giving you like, again, my stuff is reality based. So I got a ton of more stuff to talk about because of the pandemic. You know what I mean? So all of those things are going to just make you bigger and better. I, I, I hope that for everybody. I hope everybody comes out on the other side of this thing better than the way they went in. Right. If 2020 has taught us nothing. Make sure you own the rights to your stuff. Exactly. Did you see that meme, that funny meme with all the numbers talking to each other? So they had the, the un, unlucky number uh, 13. Hey, supposed to be bad yeah. luck. So they had 13. That is so. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. You know, I'm the I'm the most unlucky right, number. And then the 666. Like, like, you ain't got nothing on me. Like, you ain't got nothing on me. I thought that was hilarious. But, but it's true, though. I mean, I think we should all come out of this, you know, on the other side better than what we went in. It's just a fact. I think that's a wrap for us. Anything else you would like to say? Oh, uh, man, I just want people to uh, definitely uh, follow me because, like I said, all the content that I'm creating and pushing out on social media, uh, if you're on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at It's Just Comedy. Um, my Facebook handle is King Talent Harris. And my Instagram is Talent Duck Comedian with a D, Talent Duck Comedian. And, yeah, man, if you go on my platforms, not only will you get good content in these different shows I do on a daily basis, but you'll see some of the fine merchandising that goes along with me like my slogan is a classic slogan like my i turn 30 in comedy next july and then the following july my brand becomes 30 you know the it's just comedy brand you know um it's, it's just a classic in itself and i mean i got everything merchandise from shot glasses to coffee mugs to flasks to lighters to hoodies to t-shirts to towels to socks to I mean, you name it, the hats, fitted hats, snapback hats, like we over here doing it, man. You know, uh, check out your boy and support him and, and definitely take this take this ride with me on this merchandise. It's just comedy apparel. Most definitely. It's just comedy. Follow talent, y'all. Follow him. All right. Uh, a question I've been wanting to ask. If you could, if you was hosting a comedy show, name five comedians dead or alive you would want to bring on to the stage. Five comedians I would bring on the stage: uh, JB Smooth, uh, Robin Harris, uh, Bernie Mac, hey. uh, Cal Burnett, 
and uh, Richard Pryor. All right, solid that's a hell of that's a hell of a show right there. <laughs> so yeah, we want to thank you for coming on the show, guys. The pleasure, the pleasure. Listen, the pleasure's all mine. You guys are wonderful. I'm glad we got to do we this. Thank you again. Hey, listen, listen. Be safe out there. You know what I mean. Uh, you know, avoid the Rona, cause the truth about the Rona. She slide up in your lungs. <laughs> well, Sue Chefs, and this has been another successful show. I'm your host, Sly. I'm Cardi the Dawn. And, and this, this has been, been The, the Melting Pot. Pot.